Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table. We discuss issues of God and culture. I'm Daryl Bach, Executive Director for Cultural Engagement at Dallas Theological Seminary. And my guest today is Sukhwant Bhatia, who actually was a student of mine many, many, many moons ago. <laughs> uh, you were here in the 1980s, I believe. 86 I joined here. 86, yeah. okay. And Suquant is here to help us on the series that we're doing on world religions, and today the topic is Sikhism. And I really think it's a privilege to have you here because you are a former Sikh. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Now, Suquant is uh, founder and president of the North India Institute of Theological Studies, which is located in the in the province of Punjab in India, which is in northwest India. And then he also, I mean, you're like me, you got more than one title, um, uh, is the president and CEO of Sikh Partners International, which is headquartered in Fort Worth. And so you travel back and forth between the states in India, is that right? Yes, since the last uh, two years. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we were just based in India all these years. Okay. And uh, you founded the school in, in, in Punjab, which we'll talk about its importance for Sikhism in just a minute, um, back in 2003, and it took you four years to get accredited. So the school is now in its 10th year, and you mm-hmm. Um, yes. And you've got about, what, 48 to 52 students at any one time? Yes. Total strength this year is 66, uh-huh. but at a time on campus, it will be between 48 to 52. Okay. Very good. So your your first decade of existence, correct? Yes. <laughs> very good. Well, well Sukhan's going to help us uh, walk through Sikhism, and he told me a story before we started recording that I think is great. So, so you came to Dallas in 1980, in the 1980s, and you're sitting in the world religions class, right? And? <laughs> well, uh, f- the first thing that happened in the class was that somebody asked me uh, where you're from. So I mentioned I'm from India, from a Sikh background. So they asked me to just briefly share my testimony. I took about two, three minutes and I shared, like uh, you asked me now. And after I stopped, suddenly the person says, uh, but then what happened to your sickness? I said, no, 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 not my sick background, but it's a Sikh background. Then they say, what is that? And then later on I discovered, I said, they'll probably learn that in the class, is a class on world religion. We finished the whole course, and there was no mention about Sikhism. Mm-hmm. So I said, how come we are not studying about Sikhism? It's actually the third major religion in India. Mm-hmm. Christianity comes after that. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of interesting thing. But I'm so glad to know that since then, Dallas Seminary has included it. And I often come in as a visiting uh, guest lecture for those. So things. you have to seek out the Sikhs in order to understand what's going on in, in India. Well, that's kind of a – we put the name of the organization. It's kind mm-hmm. of a little play on word. Uh-huh. It says Sikh partners, uh-huh. but also trying to focus upon the Sikhs. Uh, that's great. So, um, so – and that actually is not surprising to me. I mean, I, if you were to ask me a week ago what I knew about Sikhism, I would say I knew how to spell the word. I mean uh, – and so I've been – my last week has been an acquaintance with, with, with Sikhism through reading, and so I'm really pleased to have you in to talk about this. Let's, let's walk through first your personal story. Um, so you are a former Sikh. So you grew up as a, as a, as a Sikh. Does, does someone come into Sikhism – you know, I mean, in Christianity, you know, you have a convergence experience or something like that. Are you born into Sikhism? How does that work? Well, let me get back quickly a little okay. bit of the history of Sikhism. 
Sikhism is about 500 years old. Okay. And primarily came at the same time as the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. And it came during the 1400s when the Muslims were invading India. Mm-hmm. At that time, a group of Muslims and group of Hindus who didn't like what was happening, mm-hmm. they formed a kind of a militia to fight against the Mughal invasion. That small group grew to be today what we call Sikhism. Okay. But since this group was made up of, this, of Muslims and Hindus, mm-hmm. they had to live in harmony. Mm-hmm. So they came up with their philosophy, practical life, and all kinds of things where they borrowed from Sikhism, uh, borrowed from Hinduism, borrowed from Islam, rejected both the things, kind of formed a new religion, a new faith to mm-hmm. live with. Mm-hmm. So that was the birth of Sikhism. Hmm. And uh, it didn't get refined till about 350 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're still in the process of kind of glorifying the religion to mm-hmm. kind of give it a, a theological tone to basically it was a military a mm-hmm. group that came together. Hmm. But it grew very fast. Mm-hmm. Now there are about 20 million Sikhs mm-hmm. and another 30 million followers of Sikhism. Hmm. So it's a good group, mm-hmm. but it's still about um, you know a little over two percent of population of India. Mm-hmm. And I and uh, and I have a source here that talks about the fact that there are about eighty thousand Sikhs here just in the United States. At least that's the number that this that this source is telling me. Does that sound I low or high? It's or? very low. It could be a lot more okay. because if you go to California, mm-hmm. uh, they are a lot. I've been going back and forth over there. And altogether, what I heard that there are two million Sikhs in UK and US. Mm-hmm. I don't know exact number which place, yeah. but uh, I'm sure it's more than eighty thousand. That's interesting. Okay, so so my, part of my point here is, is, and this is interesting, is you know this is actually a, originally a very regional religion, even though it, it it has a very important history component to the history of India. Um, let's let's go back. You said that Christ, that Sikh is actually more important in India than Christianity is in terms of its presence. What are the other dominant religions in, in India? Hinduism, number one, which is about 83%. Mm-hmm. After that comes Islam, mm-hmm. about 13%. Okay. And then comes uh, Sikhism, Christianity, Jainism, Buddhism, all kinds of other things. Okay. All right. So so that kind of gives us some context. And of course, now the, the chances of running into someone who comes out of a Sikh background in the United States is, is, is not as um, isolated as some people might think, because there actually are, as you mentioned, uh, a few million between the United States and the UK. Who are here? The, the probably the most distinctive feature uh, I think of Sikhism that that might help someone identify that someone is a Sikh is the is the turban. Turban and underneath uncut hair. Because uh-huh. in Sikhism we never cut a hair. Okay, so that's that's the primary purpose of the turban. Okay, um, so so let's go back and talk about the origins of this. You said it came from about the period of the Renaissance. Is it Nanak? Is that the yes? Okay, is the founder? Yes, he was actually part of Sufism, mm-hmm. and uh, later which is on, a mystical Islam. It's mystical Islam, okay. and Hindu version of Sufism is what's called a bhakti movement. Okay. So it is a combination of both. Mm-hmm. So he was basically introducing something that will be uh, acceptable both to the Muslims and the Hindus. Mm-hmm. So the emphasis came upon devotion mm-hmm. and good works rather than identifying with one group or the other group. Mm-hmm. And you asked me earlier. Uh, I was born to a Sikh home, so that's mm-hmm. why I'm a Sikh. Okay. But um, Sikhism is something that people adopted. Mm-hmm. They didn't like to call it a conversion. Mm-hmm. For example, my father 
was raised as a Sikh by my grandfather mm-hmm. when they were in Pakistan. But my grandfather was from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And my great-grandfather was from Iran. Hmm. But they were Muslims. They rejected Islam. That means they had to move to the east of Israel, uh, Iran. Mm-hmm. They settled in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. That's where my grandfather believed in this mystical Sufism, Bhakti movement and all. Mm-hmm. But it didn't make any sense to him. So he rejected that. Mm-hmm. And he moved south of Afghanistan. Now we call Pakistan. But that time it was Greater India. Okay. And he raised his children as Sikh. When they moved in 1947 to India, that's where I was born, and I, be, I, I was born in a Sikh home. Mm-hmm. But my mom's side of the family, they have been kind of a pure Sikhs for the last 300 years. Oh. And, uh, but it depends. Mm-hmm. So my dad's side will be considered as Sikh mm-hmm. as my mom mm-hmm. because of the faith and belief in Sikhism. Now, it's interesting. Now, again, we, just to give some historical context, um, Greater India was divided, what, I think in 1948, am I right? 47. About? 47. And, and the largely uh, Muslim portion of India became Pakistan. Right. Yes. yes. And then, mostly Hindi part of India became India. Yeah. Uh, which, if anyone who knows the politics of that part of the world knows that that has always been a tension-filled area because mm-hmm. of that because of that difference. So the difference between Islam and, and Hinduism is, is has been a historic part of the region, mm-hmm. and this was an attempt. To back in, in the in the 1400s, um, 1460s thereabout, uh, an attempt to set, to establish a religious faith that drew on both, but at the same time was pretty clear that we're not Hindus and we're yeah. not Muslims, right? Yep, that's true. So um, so as we're thinking about the core of what Sikhism is, uh, let me ask you that question. Kind of what's what's at the what what makes Sikhism Sikhism other than the the differentiation of we're not Muslim and we're not Hindi, but we are, but we uh, have, uh, we've breathed that air to a certain extent. In fact, uh, understanding that part will also uh, sh- uh, make, explain why Sikhism was kind of excluded from what happened in India okay. and grew but didn't have much impact about uh, Christianity. Until the mid 80s, India only had two classes, rich or poor. Mm-hmm. And as you're aware that the caste system is so severe in Mm -hmm. India, when we were growing up, I came from upper caste, came Mm -hmm. from a very wealthy home, Mm -hmm. and my understanding given to me at the time about the Christians was that Christianity is a religion of the poor Mm -hmm. and the untouchable. Mm -hmm. And the idea was that those who can't afford to be Muslims, Hindus, or Sikhs, they become Christian. Mm -hmm. So Christian faith had not made any attempt to go to um, to North India, especially to Punjab, and I'll explain that in a little while why. Okay. But the first missionaries that came to India, their primary focus was to minister to this group, which was absolutely rejected by the Hindus. Mm-hmm. They were called untouchables. They couldn't go to a temple. Mm-hmm. They will not associate with them. In fact, it was so bad that we were not going to allow a low-caste person to touch us. We will hmm. be considered unclean. Hmm. That group was the first group that became believer. And when the missionaries ministered to them, established them, the mission compound came and everything, rest of India said, aha, these people never had any religion of their own. Finally, they found it. Mm-hmm. It's Christianity. Mm-hmm. So that was the under- understanding with which I was raised. So there was no reason for me to even look at Christianity, not mm. even look at that as a faith. Mm. Had it not the various circumstances that happened in my life, 
that first made me reject Sikhism, reject Islam, reject mm-hmm. Hinduism before I opened to even listen to what Christianity was. Okay, now that's that, that that's interesting, and we'll come back to that. Let me make one other point before we move on, and that is, I, I said it was a pre- predominantly regional religion. So this is located; it was founded in Punjab, which is a particular province or state of India, located in in what the northwest corner of India. Is that yes. right? Yeah. Right up against. Pakistan, am I right about that? In or? fact, Punjab was divided into two. So there's a Punjab in Pakistan, there's a Punjab in uh, India. Oh, so interesting. So it's kind of divided right in the middle. Uh-huh. And do and are the Sikhs just in one portion of Punjab, or have, have, are they in both regions of Punjab, both the Pakistani and the Indian side? If you are able to see the map where Amritsar is, mm-hmm. uh, it's right about uh, 10 miles from the border of Pakistan. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the Jerusalem of the Sikhs. That's mm-hmm. where the Golden Temple is. That's where the hub is. What's the name of the city again? Amritsar. Oh, man. I have no idea how to even how to spell that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that's where it grew from, mm-hmm. even though Guru Nanak's birthplace and, and his grave is still in Pakistan. Uh-huh. People travel there to worship, uh-huh. but that's where it grew from uh-huh. and spread all the way up to New Delhi. Mm-hmm. But uh, primarily remained in Punjab. Mm-hmm. The reason because Sikhism is also an agriculture community. Mm-hmm. So that group has uh, been kind of now the, called the breadbasket of India mm-hmm. because it's a very fertile land, mm-hmm. and so that's where it kind of concentrated. And it's Lahore in, in Punjab as well. No, no, Lahore is in Pakistan. In Pakistan, yeah. Okay, so. Um, Okay, so we've got this. So we've got this regional religion that started in, in reaction to uh, Hinduism and Islam. So, what exactly is it? What makes what makes Sikhism Sikhism? They took, uh, uh, for example, few things from Islam, few from um, Hinduism. They said that there's only one God. Mm-hmm. Period. But they didn't want to name that God, and they didn't want to create a shape for that God. Okay, so that is an Islamic influence, yes. correct? Okay. But they took the softer form of reincarnation from Hinduism, mm-hmm. and they said, yes, there is a rebirth, but we don't cross the breed. The, the humans stay human, and the animals stay animal. But there's okay. a kind of reincarnation. Okay. But this life is given to us to break the cycle, so our destiny as a heaven and hell can be decided in right now. Hmm. But the distinctive of uh, Sikhism is that they went to a great length to describe the holiness of God, his character and everything, mm-hmm. and portrayed the sinfulness of man. Mm-hmm. But the concept they strongly in- introduced was that you can never, ever know this God without the help of a mediator. Hmm. So the concept of guru was kind of specialized by the Sikhs. And so that's what they basically believe in right now, mm-hmm. that you got to have your mediator. Mm-hmm. The only problem is the 10 human guru they had in the past, mm-hmm. they've kind of declared them as the mediator. Right. But that's not right because they themselves have asked for a mediator. Uh-huh. But uh, what hinders Sikhism right now to look anywhere else in terms of anyone claiming to be God, even including Jesus, is that their prime doctrine says that God cannot be incarnate. Hmm. But they were reacting that to Hinduism. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what makes up but it's built on works, mm-hmm. hard works, lots of good works. And also they formed themselves more or less like the Jews. Mm-hmm. The concept was that God's relationship is not so much with individuals, but with the community. Mm-hmm. So we as a community have to stay together. Mm-hmm. Only then we can have God's blessing. And if anybody breaks the norms of the community, you need to throw them out, kill them or whatever. Mm. But uh, it's primarily built upon good work, borrowed from both sides, but worship, name, worshiping uh, one God, but no name for that God. Mm-hmm. 
And, and there's a lot of, um, can I say, devotion attached to Sikhism. Uh, you mentioned the Golden Temple, which is the, uh, I, I take it it's, it's the location where the, where the equivalent of, of Scripture is located uh, for Sikhs, which is a work called, and I'm going to let you pronounce it. Granth Sahib, that's okay. kind of the holiest book that they believe. Mm-hmm. It's actually a compilation of, uh, let's say, psalms mm-hmm. or, or, or beautiful it's poetry. poetry. It's yeah. poetry. You have to sing it. You can't right. read it. Okay. It takes years of practice. That's what mm-hmm. my mother was expert in, that she mm-hmm. was she used to teach the young girls. So and she was a reader in the, in the, in the temples? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Professional reader mm-hmm. and also professional teacher. Mm-hmm. Because even if you look at the page, there's no word division. Mm-hmm. It's just written once, all, all words put together, oh, wow. letters. Yeah, You have to learn to sing it mm-hmm. to be able to get the meaning of that. And uh, so that book has become the central part, and they declared that book as the mediator, mm-hmm. uh, that this book will guide us in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concept of uh, tithing, mm-hmm. I was first taught in Sikhism, mm-hmm. it's called dasham. Basically, what it means that you're supposed to give 10% of everything, including your time. Hmm. So everybody puts in 10% of the time as a service to the temple. Mm-hmm. This Gurdwara is called, mm-hmm. that you have to go there locally or somewhere else mm-hmm. to put in your service. Hmm. Uh, I remember my mom for years at 4 o'clock in the morning, she used to go to the local Gurdwara, Sikh temple, to sweep the floors hmm. for an hour. That mm-hmm. was her tenth, that was her tithing. Hmm. And, and there, I've seen pictures of people reading the book, and then there's this... I don't know what to call it, behind them with it, it's fanning them, I guess, is, was the original purpose of it, to keep them cool because they would be re- scriptures would be read when it was very hot, or is there something else <laughs> no. going on there spiritually? That book is called a living book. Okay. It may sound funny, but every night they carry the book, they put the book to bed, yes. a special bed, and they put water and food next to the book. Okay, this it's like cooking, cooking cookies for the Santa Claus. This. Yeah, yeah it's, I, it's. I remember that. This is this is different. But the amazing thing is, uh, long time ago, I wrote a small paper uh-huh. uh, trying to compare uh, Sikhism with Christianity in a mm-hmm. positive way. And uh, oftentimes people have accused me that I changed my religion. Uh-huh. I say, no, I was a true Sikh hmm. because I was taught well to go and search for my mediator and uh-huh. I found it. Uh-huh. And Bible says that there's only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, uh-huh. who gave his life as an answer for us. Uh-huh. So I trace that, that how much influence Christianity actually had on Sikhism, hmm. except that they will not try to accept it. Huh. Because that was the only neutral thing they could find uh-huh. at that time. Yes. And uh, probably even Guru Nanak had uh, access to the literature renaissance at the time hmm. uh, about the Christian faith. Interesting. Uh, the, the, uh, there, well, let me, let me go back and, 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 and gather some stuff. See, the term Sikh actually means disciple, doesn't it? Yes. So, uh, I, I mean, there's some fascinating points of connection uh, in that regard. Um, and there is this regard for this for this book that it, that is basically poetry and it and it leads in this devotion to God. Mm-hmm. It's basically uh, when you gather around the book and hear its reading, it's designed to help you meditate on God. Yes. And then the, and let's talk about the gurus a second. It is it, are are Sikhs the only religion that has gurus, or 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 do gurus come from other faiths in the in the region? They are. The concept of a, a teacher, guru, has always been there. Mm-hmm. But what happened about, I'll say, 250 years ago or so, Sikhism divided into two sects, mm-hmm. just like what happened with the Catholic and the Protestant Church. Mm-hmm. 
half of the Sikhs believe that there is an apostolic succession, huh. so that guruship has continued, uh-huh. and somebody always have to be on the throne. Uh-huh. But the other half, which is the majority, they said, no, the book is the final guru. No human being can be a guru. Mm-hmm. So that kind of divide is going on, that mm-hmm. practice going on. The group that believe that there is a human uh, being who can be at the top of the religion, mm-hmm. that group has di- divided into five or six different groups. Ah. So different things have come up, just like the comparison you can make with the Christian faith. And, uh, but the large portions do not believe in any human guru. So, so when someone goes to, to sit at the feet of a guru, they're, they're, they're connected to, to, Sikh, to someone of Sikh background, but it's this one group that has this line of gurus. Yes. That, and there are like four or five different subsects that yes. exist that someone might connect to. Yeah. Okay, well, that's all pretty fascinating. Um, so um, – uh, briefly, we got about two minutes. Lo- two minutes left before the break. Uh, talk about how you came to faith. My coming to the Lord was primarily by reading the Bible, mm-hmm. and the reason I got started in reading the Bible because at the age of about fifteen, I discovered that even though my dad practiced Sikhism, but he actually was a practical atheist. Uh, he was in the army. He fought all the wars on behalf of India, and my mom used to say that somewhere in that bloodshed, he lost his faith. Hmm. And uh, so when I discovered that, it kind of bothered me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know that when I grow up, will I be like my father who's successful in every way, mm-hmm. except he does not believe in God? Mm-hmm. Or will I be like my mom who, mm. who just, for her faith is everything. That made me start looking into Sikhism. After studying it, I wasn't satisfied. My mom encouraged, why don't you look into Islam and Hinduism since we came from there? I had studied Sanskrit for eight years. I knew Pashto and Urdu. Uh, so I was able to read Quran, other religious literature. And after about three years of exhaustive study from age 15 to 18, I rejected everything. Hmm. Because what people were practicing and what was written in the religious books were two different things. Hmm. So I lived a year in vacuum, mm-hmm. believing that maybe my dad is right, hmm. that there is no God. Or maybe he existed at one time, gave a good spin to us, mm-hmm. and now we are on your own. Mm-hmm. In that frustration, I was in the college when I met a new student who found out that he was a Hindu, but he claimed to be Christian. Hmm. So when I asked him to share with me his faith, he shared his Bible with me. Hmm. And he said, let me explain what's there. The problem was that his Bible was in English, Hmm. and he only spoke English and Bengali. Hmm. So he was an English teacher, started teaching me English. I started reading the Bible. A year later, after having read the New Testament nine times in eight months and the Gospel of John 22 times, hmm. I decided to put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. So a very direct experience with Scripture is what, what drew you to the Lord. Yeah, wow. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform.
Well, um, I don't know whether you're the only, but you're the first person of Sikh background to to engage in seminary study in the United States, or is this world? Do you even know if this is worldwide, or or what's the deal? That time I was told that I was the first Sikh convert to uh, go for a master theology degree anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. and um, nobody had challenged that. Um, so I don't know if it's still true or not, but that's what it was. Okay, and so and then of course you've reestablished this ministry to to uh, teach Christianity in the part of the world that you come that you've come from. Uh, let let's talk a little bit about about Sikhs and and kind of what orients them to God. How would you describe what the draw of Sikhism is? I mean, obviously, there's at least I'm, I'm looking at this from the outside. Um, one of the things is that it seems to be a very regionally focused religion. That that it is almost a form of uh, of uh, regional pride. You know, I'm a Texan, <laughs> and so Texans have certain qualities about them. So that it seems to have that dimension to it. But there's got to be something beyond that. That's true, because I still use my wild card that I'm a Sikh, <laughs> because. Um, People are very proud to be associated with Sikhs, mm-hmm. and the religion has kind of given them a pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a very strong sense of community. Mm-hmm. Uh, one statement that's often made is that you'll never ever see a Sikh beggar mm-hmm. in India mm. because the community will not allow it. Mm. They say, what do you need? How, what do you need to get back on your feet? Mm-hmm. So that was one thing, the sense of community. The second, their sense of charity. Mm-hmm. Every Sikh Gurdwara, Sikh temple, mm-hmm. is open 24 hours. Mm-hmm. They serve free food mm-hmm. anytime you go. Any new town you can go into, if you don't have a place to stay, you can always go to Gurdwara. You'll get a place to stay. You'll get food. And if necessary, you'll also get a transportation if you need to. Hmm. So it was a, it was kind of a community sense of, uh, uh, of, of a religion. Mm-hmm. Even when they have grown to such a large thing, they have been able to maintain that. Hmm. And uh, so that is very attractive to people. Mm-hmm. And once you receive the gifts, you want to give it one day. So the, that's one aspect. Second, the Sikhism gave them something which was non-divisive. So they didn't have to find things like, are you a Hindu or are you a Sikh? Mm-hmm. It gave them a lot of room. Okay, there's one God, and we only believe in him, but we don't have to have a name. So the emphasis became upon your faith. Mm-hmm. So how much faith do you have in your faith was the kind of the emphasis. And uh, purely on good works. Mm-hmm. So they kind of uh, masterminded on that that these good works are not just putting a penny here and putting a penny over there, but generally producing. So become a productive citizen. You become a proud neighbor. So it's a highly ethical faith. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. I mean, in, in Punjab especially, uh, the, another phrase that goes over there is that if you have to have one friend, make sure it's a Sikh. Hmm. But the opposite side is also kind of a truth that Sikhs were a militant group. Mm-hmm. So at one point, just 2% of the India's population made 30% of India's armed forces were made of Sikhs. Mm. So they are still very aggressive, militant. They will not put up with any nonsense. In fact, oftentimes when there's been a, been a trouble in Punjab for the, for the Christians, it's the Sikhs who come to our rescue. Mm. They say, we are also a minority group. You can't do that then. Mm-hmm. And if they stand, I mean, they're, they're willing to fight and willing to die for their faith. So all those things have made people very attracted towards Sikhism. Mm -hmm. It's a hardworking group, care for one another. And uh, so what happens is part of our presentation of the gospel is 
uh, historically, mm-hmm. if I may move to the little bit further, mm-hmm. when the modern missions were born with William Carey, that time he was commissioned to do three things. He said missions means do charity, mm-hmm. healing, and liberation. Mm-hmm. And desperately we needed that in India. Mm-hmm. And uh, But the sad part is, that that excluded communities like the Sikhs because they didn't need any charity. Mm-hmm. They didn't need any free healing cruci- healing camps or something like that. And also they didn't need any liberation. Because they took good care of themselves. Be- be- they've already had that. Yeah, yeah. So it was not a community in crisis. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we present our Jesus as the quicker fixer that if you have a problem, he'll fix it. Mm-hmm. So it was William Carey who said, that we need to start the gospel from the top down, not from the bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, that time nobody listened to him. But uh, what has happened is, as a result, there became a disconnect. Hmm. That for, they did not find any, any attraction in, uh, in Christianity because th- this Christ was presented only for the poor and the one who needed help rather than for some who had been fine, who had been devoted, who had been searching for this unknown God, hmm. and somebody didn't make the connection there. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to come back to that. Let me ask you one more question about, about, about Sikhs. You've talked about the fact that God is unnamed, um, but what kind of conception is there of God? Because you, if, you're, if you're coming out of a background that's a kind of a, a, a fusion or, or at least is, is, is wrestling with the relationship between Muslims and Islam and in Hindis, the conception of the transcendence very different out of those two backgrounds. So how how does that work? How is God conceived of in in, in among Sikhs? They've used terms like Satguru, Satnam, which basically means true mediator, true guru, the truth, and they gave. Uh, the Shabbat, which means the word, mm-hmm. they literally believe what we believe in the Bible, mm-hmm. that the word, the written word, actually became incarnate, mm-hmm. but does not incarnate into a flesh, but mm-hmm. incarnates us as human beings in our heart directly. Mm-hmm. So those concepts that they borrowed from Christianity, so today the word, their word of God, the Granth Sahib, mm-hmm. is a living word, mm-hmm. so they have started worshipping that book. Mm-hmm. So if you look for any kind of a symbolism that they portrays what their faith is, then the book has become that symbol. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and, and even the design of the pictures that I've seen of the design of the way the altars work, are is a, it's a lifted – at least in some of the pictures I've seen, it's a very lifted up location where the book is elevated over the people who are sitting mm-hmm. down underneath. It, uh, so even the architecture is designed to reinforce the point. Yes, and everyone goes inside, they bow down before the book, and they worship and everything and all that. Hmm, interesting. Um, okay, so um, so that gives us a feel. There's uh, there's one other element. We've talked about it being psalms. You've talked about it being chanted. So worship is a very important part. Yes. Worship, worship slash reflection, I guess, it would mm-hmm. be the way to describe a lot of what's going on in the activity of a Sikh worshiper. Is, yes. is that fair? Yes. And then that's supposed to translate in the way they live out their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much. Okay. So um, so let's talk you've, – you've talked a little bit – this is actually fascinating because I, I did do a significant amount of reading and you're injecting something into the conversation I didn't see very much of in the reading and that is there are all these hidden connections to Christianity mm-hmm. in, in what you see in Sikhism. Uh, why don't you develop some of that for us? Because I suspect that begins to, re- to also deal with the question of, I meet a Sikh, um, I'm interacting with them, the discussion turns to spiritual things, 
what are what are kind of the ways in? How can I how can the aspirations of someone oriented to Sikhism, how does the gospel walk into that space? Good. Um, I remember when I first started talking about uh, my faith with my mom, uh, her first biggest issue was, I'm not a sinner. Mm-hmm. What have I done wrong? Hmm. And uh, so that was one big hindrance to kind of sharing with her because they had taught so much about doing good works and everything and all that. And self-sustain, self-sustaining. Yes. Yep. And uh, the second aspect of that was that uh, which became attracted to my mom, that we were not talking about only this world. Mm-hmm. See, Sikhs talk about a lot about the world to come. In mm-hmm. fact, everything that they're doing, they're doing it for the satyug, they're doing it for the swarg, they're doing it for heaven. Mm. But what has happened in our trying to connect with the Sikhs with the gospel, first we are trying to rectify some of the issues that had happened in the past. Mm-hmm. For example, Christ was always submitted as in crisis management, something wrong, then mm-hmm. you can fix it. Well, they were not looking. Most of the Sikh families I knew were very decent, something mm-hmm. that we Christians would love to have a family structure like that. So it's not that we are waiting for them to have crisis so we can introduce Christ to them, but rather we are saying to them, that you are so religious, you mm. have worked so hard in your life mm-hmm. to seek this unknown God. Mm-hmm. Let me introduce to you who that unknown is. Interesting. So it's like an Acts 17 way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And plus, for them to be able to get a picture or glimpse of this God, I take them to John chapter 1. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful picture that the Word became incarnate and mm-hmm. dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Nobody has seen God at any time except Jesus. When they read that passage, they say, we never read anything like that. Mm-hmm. Because uh, most Sikhs have never read the Bible. They mm-hmm. only heard about the Bible. Mm-hmm. But some of the cultural misconnect that happened, and that's where the cultural engagement part, I think, that we missed in the past, because our earlier forefather missionaries were not really missiologists or anthropologists right. and all. So what happened when Christianity was introduced to India, it became so opposite to the culture. Mm-hmm. See, for example, in every other religion in India, when you go to the temple, you sit on the floor, you fall on your face to worship God. It's only in the church that you sit on the chairs with your legs crossed and your hand folded like this <laughs> to worship the Lord. So where is the respect for the deity? Yes. So they, they, that was un, absolutely unacceptable to hmm. people. Hmm. And uh, then there are some other cultural things that happen, for example, in a wedding, in a Sikh wedding. Mm-hmm. To incorporate both the culture, the bride dresses up like a Hindu bride mm-hmm. and the groom dresses up like a Muslim bridegroom. Hmm. So that's how the wedding takes place. Oh, wow. Suddenly... Christianity came and they said, oh, you have to get married in white sari. Uh-huh. Now, wearing white is a sign of a widow in India. Uh-huh. So people reacted to that, that uh-huh. why on a wedding day a wife will wear white? And they said, no, that symbolizes a Christian wedding. You can't wear. In fact, my mom had so much a problem and I was getting married and my wife was going to wear white. Uh-huh. When I tried to explain to her, they said if these missionaries didn't like red, they could have picked up any other color, you know, blue, black, or uh-huh. mixture color and all that. But uh-huh. why white, uh-huh. which is culturally so offensive? Uh-huh. Then in Sikhism and also in other religion, the essence of worship is the instruments mm-hmm. that you play. And beautiful music. Well, when Christian faith was introduced, we were told the drums are the devil and the wind instruments that evoke the spirit, the only instrument you can have is a piano or organ. Oh, wow. And they were imported from outside. Uh-huh. That just killed mm-hmm. <laughs> the worship in the local church. Mm-hmm. So now when we're going back and trying to put those things in perspective, he says, no, no, no. 
it's a cultural expression jesus did not come to destroy a culture mm-hmm. He, but the earlier missionaries could not distinguish what is culture and what is religious. Right. Another major problem that became was uh, India was primarily a vegetarian country. Mm-hmm. Missionaries came and they said they started eating meat and you have to eat meat. So there was no room to present Jesus as a vegetarian Jesus. Hmm. And people, when they read John, John chapter 6, where it says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot be my disciple. Mm-hmm. And Hindi, old bad Hindi translation says, unless you eat flesh with me and mm. drink blood with me, mm. you cannot be my disciple. Mm. So immediately people said, oh, this religion is not for us mm-hmm. because it, you have to eat meat. It's interesting because in the ancient world, uh, the portrayal of, of Christians as cannibals was one of the ways to try and put Christianity off. Yeah. And so it's the same kind of feel that existed in India as well. Yeah. For uh, When we were serving in India as a pastor and uh, a church, my wife and I made a decision that we will never cook meat in our home. Mm-hmm. Because if you were to invite a Sikh family or a vegetarian uh, Hindu family, we should be able to tell them the meat has never been cooked in our pots. Mm-hmm. So we always ate out. Hmm. We will not eat, may cook food and uh, meat in our home hmm. pots. That was the only reason they'll come. Mm-hmm. And they'll even eat in our home. My mom, before she became a believer, till today she's a vegetarian. Hmm. But before she became a believer, she stopped even drinking water in my house. Hmm because we were meat eaters. Mm-hmm. So we had to stop that to make a cultural context with them and have the interaction with them. Okay, now that's interesting. So there are certain things that you, so what you're saying is there are certain things that Christians were doing by instinct that were so countercultural that it, it, it put Indians off because that those life symbols, if I can say it that way, were, and I will use a British word here, were off-putting. Yeah. You know, or um, were really uh, things that that people would go, ooh, you, that that you shouldn't do. Is there any other thing that belongs in that kind of a category besides meat and uh, and the color of a of a wedding gown? For example, Sikhs suffered a lot when the Muslim invaders came, mm-hmm. and then they suffered a lot when the British came. Mm-hmm. So in their mind, what they think is first the Mughals ruled us. And then the Christians ruled us because they could not distinguish between the British as a country and Christians. Mm-hmm. So that bitterness is there still today. Hmm. What we have missed out is we have not allowed this allowed Sikhs to see the Jesus of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Christianity and the Christian faith has kind of a blurred that view. Mm-hmm. So what we try to tell them is read the Gospel of John, read the Bible, see mm-hmm. the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of Christianity. Mm-hmm. So in our connection, the similarities are so much for them to fill the gap that what they've been worshiping unknowingly is actually Jesus Christ. But to bring them to a point to be able to see it, that's the biggest step that we have to take. Interesting. Now, now let's transition because you've raised this. There are all kinds of bridges that are already set. There's a respect for God that's already there. There is an appreciation for the moral and ethical work in life and for an integrity that's already there. Uh, what, what other bridges are there between, between Sikhism and Christianity that if you met a Sikh, they, you would have some basis of common ground to have a conversation? See, the Sikhs have not seen that a respectable, educated person can also be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, even today, any mission efforts that we make in India, they're still in the concept of charity, medical healing, and liberation. And we have we have 600 million as middle-class family, mm-hmm. and uh, top 20%, most of them are Sikhs. 
we still are not taking the gospel to them. Hmm. We are still not thinking about them. We are still thinking about the tribals. We are thinking about the untouchable, think, think, thinking about the Dalit, mm-hmm. which are only like 15% of India's population. Right. So as a result, we have completely neglected a group mm-hmm. and missed the connection with them. Hmm. So that's one thing that we are trying to do is to expose them to churches in the city, a respectable group. I I have connection with people just because I have earned PhD and just because I was educated in the U.S. Right. Some of those doors, they'll shut them out mm-hmm. if I was not an educated person and if I didn't have a respectable degree. Mm-hmm. So I need a lineup of people in Punjab that I can show that he's a doctor, he's an engineer, he's a businessman, and he's a professor. And look, they're fine believers. Mm-hmm. They're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have that kind of a lineup to show. Mm-hmm. So culture that respects education, culture that respects uh, uh, that you're hardworking, you achieve something, because they reject the concept of poverty. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we have Christian organizations that are working among the poor for the last 40 years, and they're still poor. Mm-hmm. Sikhs will say that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. That's unacceptable. What systems have you put in place mm-hmm. that the person is lifted out and is on his feet? Mm-hmm. But uh, sometimes he feels as if he want to keep <laughs> certain people poor um, for the sake so that we can stay in business as Christians mm-hmm. and a charitable organization. So that is one issue. Sikhs do not like to come to the Lord and sit with a folded hand and tell them, oh, services on Sunday morning, come for an hour. Mm-hmm. They say, no, when I became a believer, I said, what can I do? I want to be part of the church. I was shocked to find out the church is only going to be open on Sunday morning for two hours. Rest of the week is going to be locked up. In contrast to being 24-7. Yeah. Yeah. So some of those things, we need to go back to the drawing board. Mm -hmm. We need to open it up. Open the church. Let people come and sit for meditation. Let them come and sit for study. And Christianity cannot be only for Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. What do we have for people on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? And let's make the connection at that time. Now, you said there were certain things that are going on in the Bible that Sikhs are um, can connect to. Well, what what are some of those things? What do you think? And and then we'll get to a category that says. And you've already raised one of them. The whole idea of sin is something that just throws people off. But let's start first with what are the bridges? What are the connection points? Not only in Sikhism, actually, this is everywhere on the world. There are two books that are missing in the religious books is the book of Genesis mm-hmm. and the book of Revelation. Okay. That's what they struggle with. How did life begin and how the whole story is going to end? Mm-hmm. We have a great uh, listening ear the moment I talk about Genesis. Mm-hmm. In fact, I wrote one paper when I was a DTS, how to use the Old Testament mm-hmm. to share our faith with, mm-hmm. with the Sikhs. Mm-hmm. They're very fascinated mm-hmm. with what happened because they were suddenly told in between story mm-hmm. to figure everything out and they're still asking question now how did life begin mm-hmm. and why it began but they don't have the answer how it's going to end mm-hmm. they have a very strong sense of the coming heaven yeah so when we discuss about just the gospel of john talking about jesus is coming back again because mm-hmm. your gods and gurus all dead and buried you worship on their tombs they're very fascinated to know more about that so that's where we make the connection that let's talk about how God created, and let's talk about what's going to happen at the end. Hmm. And uh, so those are some of the major connections in theology, what Sikhism believes and what the Bible presents. There's a big connections Mm -hmm. about this life, Mm -hmm. about um, 
the blessings in this life about having the divine enablements so you can be blessing to somebody else mm-hmm. some of these are basic concepts in sikhism mm-hmm. so there are lots of bridges lots of bridges now let's talk about the harder concepts and those are the things that a sikh isn't prepared or isn't and doesn't have categories for you've mentioned the issue of sin that that was the big starting point for your mom yeah. Um, and, and is that just because of? Uh, I mean, when there's mess in the world, how do, how do, how does a seek how does a seek see that? Well, for my, me and for my mom, the concept that of sin was always presented that your good works can outweigh your bad works. Mm-hmm. So they knew that they have done bad things, that, mm-hmm. but they always thought that we have done enough good to cover up the bad. Mm. Now that, I wrote a small uh, track on the whole concept, it's called Can My Good Work Save Me? And in that one, I write three things. One is, first of all, somebody outside of us has to define good. Mm -hmm. You and I can't come up with a definition of good. Mm -hmm. So my point in that is, if it wasn't for the Bible, if it wasn't for the Mosaic Law, Mm -hmm. the world would not have known what sinning is, Mm -hmm. what killing is, what adultery is, Mm -hmm. because 80% of the judicial system around the world was built on Mosaic Mm -hmm. Law. Mm -hmm. So that's where the definition came. Mm -hmm. So when I asked the Sikh, who taught you, this is right, this is wrong, you had to go back to the Old Testament, you had to go to the Bible. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Second concept of sin was what James gave, that if you kept the entire law, and broke even just one, mm-hmm. you're guilty. Mm-hmm. To seek in that concept, finally the Sikhs understand that. Mm-hmm. Another concept was that I can't do bad works towards God and then do good to humanity to have that written off. Mm-hmm. If I have sinned against God, only God can forgive. Mm-hmm. So how is he going to forgive? So some of those are basic issues of sin, salvation, and sanctification. They are there. The problem is that when we try to present to them, they think they're my views, they're mm-hmm. my ideas. Mm-hmm. So I always open my Bible, I always have it there. I said, Jesus said this. Jesus said this. So uh, another bridge, I actually think this is important. Uh, the, another bridge is given the respect that Sikhs have for a holy book, Yes. okay, there's a way to talk about how the Bible teaches what's at the core of Christianity, and a Sikh will intuitively understand how that connection works. Yes. Interesting. Um, well, uh, Sukhwant, this has been an incredibly fascinating quick journey through Sikhism and uh, a discussion. And the thing that, that I find fascinating about it is are the multiple points of contact mm-hmm. that actually exist that lay a lot of groundwork for the possibilities of a, of a Christian and a Sikh having a meaningful spiritual conversation even though they come from very different backgrounds. Is that yes. your impression as well? Yes. Yeah. So, um, uh, well, again, thank you for taking the time to tell us your story and uh, and to uh, walk us through this. I, I hear from what you said, your mother did become a believer. Yes, she did. Yeah. And, and um, I also want to thank you for bringing it up and talking about Sikhism mm-hmm. because uh, it's very important in India. It's very important from many aspects. I have 115 cousins, and most of them are not believers. Mm-hmm. My extended family is so rich mm-hmm. that if they were to come to the Lord, they can finance a budget 10 times within India. Uh. So it bothers me that why they are part of Sikhism where they generously give so much money, and how come the church didn't make an effort to reach them for the Lord first, and why didn't make them part of the church? Interesting. So a country like India is not poor anymore, uh-huh. but the church in India is still poor because it's primarily made up of poor. Interesting. Well, again, thank you very much for taking the time to introduce us to this 
I, I, what I would think would be a pretty fascinating religion and a pretty fascinating journey through Sikhism. And, uh, you know, our hope in the series is to acquaint you with a wide variety of people that you might meet with a wide variety of uh, religious backgrounds. And we hope you'll join us again real soon on the table to hear about another religion. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.